So my granddaughter uh, this morning asked me this question. She said, so what are you preaching on this morning? I said, the Bible. That's my typical response that way. But that really is a good question. Because if a preacher cannot stand up and say in one sentence exactly what he's going to say, he's probably going to ramble all over the place. And it's my prayer, this is what I want to preach on this morning, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit in these next few moments will use this passage in the Word of God, Luke 17, to motivate us and move us to from the heart express our thankfulness. Express your thankfulness. Uh, I, I, I recognize this. I have, a, I have a bad habit. I take things for granted, and it doesn't even cross my mind to say, thank you. It, doesn't, it isn't expressed. Oh, it might be there, and yeah, I'm thankful, but do I, do I really express it? Um, I'm clueless. My wife will cook a great meal, and, yeah, and enjoy everything about that meal. I don't say thank you. Um, doesn't even cross my mind. Where somebody gives me a nice gift or sends me a card, and, and, and I, don't, I don't respond. I don't say anything about it. And I'm convicted about that. I think we all do this. We forget to say thank you. And here's my, here's my question. If we don't express it, are we thankful? That's the question. If we don't say it, is it really there? Uh, our kids had a song when they were growing up, a, kid, a song that we'd have them sing a lot, and they'd sing it in church, and we'd sing it at home, and we'd sing it out in different times to, as our family did, did things with music. And The little chorus went this way, Always say thank you, always say please. If you're ungrateful, God is not pleased. A lot of truth to that. Always say thank you. Always say please. And here's the reason why that's so very true. When gratitude dies in our hearts, we're headed for trouble. We're headed for hard times. In fact, I believe that, that God knew this, especially dealing with the children of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt. He had done so many great things for them, and yet they were grumbling, they were murmuring, they were complaining. And so God established for them, I I think it was in Deuteronomy 26, God established for them the the regular exercise every year of having a Thanksgiving day. It wasn't called Thanksgiving day. It was called the the feasts of of praise. And it was a Thanksgiving service. And so uh, thankfully here in America we have this tradition that I believe is built on a biblical principle uh, we need to stop and express our thankfulness. I hope that you'll do that. I hope that you'll, you'll take action and, and do more than just hear about it, but that there will be some response to truly express your thankfulness. So our text, as we've had read, thank you, Ted. Our, our, our text that we've had read is here in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. We, I want to study this in two phases. The first is to observe the ten, all right? So these that were, as Jesus was going through this region of Samaria, which is intriguing, why was he there and headed up back up to Galilee? Why would he 
they feel the liberty to go through Samaria. He entered a village, and there were ten lepers. He was met there, and they stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Leprosy. Consider their desperate condition. Leprosy. Uh, you already know the ugliness of that disease that's described in that day, in that time. It's not so much an issue now, but it, it, was, it was something that was it, was, it was, it scared you half to death. It was the worst of conditions. It was awful. It was ugly, and you wanted to avoid it at all cost. And that little phrase, they were at a distance, is significant. See, these men had been shunned. They were, they were miserable. They were, were forced to keep their distance from, from anyone else. And it was demanded of them because Leviticus 13 and Numbers 5 and, and Numbers 12 and again in 2 Kings chapter 7 we read of this, that it was demanded of lepers that they stay away. They were to be quarantined. It was, it was necessary to protect the population. Now, our experience of quarantine uh, was, uh, you know, remember this? Just a few years ago, uh, everyone had to go in isolation. Nobody could be out. And that didn't work out so well, did it? Um, but here, those that were very ill, it was demanded to them that they stay away. From historical records, uh, we can read up on this. And those with leprosy, were they, they, they had to keep their social distancing. They had to stay away six feet or some say 12 steps or um, like 50 feet. Or I've even read that if the wind was blowing, they had to stay away like 150 feet because they were afraid it would blow in on them. They had to stay away. They, they really did go overboard on this. So with that context, consider this this passionate request in verse 13. They raised their voices. They were were screaming as loud as they could. And remember, their their voices were weakened because of their physical condition. And so at the top of their lungs, the best they they were able to, they were saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Master. It's intriguing that they would use that word in this context. It's an interesting word. This word that's used here on purpose um, communicates one who deserves honor. Uh, it's, it's, it's calling out to a, an authority. Uh, it's speaking of not just somebody with authority, but literally somebody that has miraculous power to help. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. How did they know that he had this power? How did they know about this one Jesus? Certainly word had spread, and they didn't have the Internet. (laughs) Word was all over the place. People were talking. And if you'll recall, earlier in Luke, I think it's in Luke chapter 4, earlier in Luke, Jesus is quoting from a passage that's in Isaiah. Can you go back to Isaiah chapter 61, I think it is? In Isaiah 61, we read that that Jesus was quoting this passage, and then he sat down and said, uh, this is happening right now. In Isaiah chapter 61, we read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And then Jesus says, this day is happening. And then you keep on reading Luke. Right after that, Jesus delivers this man from from being controlled by a demon. And then there were many other miracles that were performed that Jesus did, proving that this was actually happening. He was this Messiah that Isaiah had prophesied, this Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And in chapter 5, there was a leper that he touched, and he was healed. And, and this, this lame man was able to get up and walk. And in chapter 6, this man with the withered hand. And, so, and he, was, he was able to stretch it out and use it. Word was spreading that the fulfillment of Isaiah 61 was here. They knew who it was. So as a hopeful lament, they cried, please, Jesus, Master, have mercy. Please help us. Do for us what we don't deserve. Please, God, be merciful to us. Please. And Jesus stops and responds with a a strange command. In verse 14, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, you would think that wouldn't Jesus stop and say, be healed, (laughs) and and then all of a sudden it happens. But, But he said, I want you to go back to the priest and show yourself. Huh? Why do you say that? Seems rather strange, isn't it? But again, if you go back to the Old Testament rules for 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 how God cared for His people and was was trying to protect them, there were there were certain rules that that people had to follow if they had been sick with this illness, that that they had to go through this cleanliness check, and and the priest had to inspect to see if they were able to actually go back into the population. Notice how Jesus heals them. As they were going. As they were going. Huh. Uh, it could be rendered this way. As they, only after they departed were they healed. Only after they acted on what Jesus had told them to do. Don't miss this. They were to exercise faith in his word. Even though they hadn't seen it happen yet. They were to exercise faith in what Jesus said to do. And so do you. So do you. So we've observed the ten and the background and what was going on with them. The second phase is interesting as well. We want to learn from the one. This one that was called a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Verse 15. According to uh, John chapter 4, the Jews would have nothing to do with these Samaritans. Uh, They were hated. They hated each other. The Samaritans were intermarried with the Gentiles, those that were from Babylon, those were from from Greece that had moved into this area, and it was known as Palestine. It was, it was, and Palestine included whoever was living there. But the Israelites had disdain for those others that weren't just like them. And so they thought that they had polluted their religion. And, 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 and they didn't want to have anything to do with it, so they shunned the Samaritans. So not only was this man shunned because of his illness, he was shunned because of his heritage. 
the people that he was with. But notice how he responds. First in verse 15, we see that he's praising God with a loud voice. So everyone else had gone on to the temple to be inspected by the priest, but something in this man turns him around. And think about that. What was it that turned him around to say, I need to go and praise God? When you're in the midst of God's power and you see him there, you can't help but say, wow, and to praise God with a loud voice, just like you were doing a few minutes ago in your singing. When you know the power of God is there, you can't help but praise him. And second, in verse 16, we read that he fell on his face at his feet. Not only is he praising Jesus, he's worshiping him. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet. First, he was praising God, and now he's worshiping Jesus with humility. Just like Isaiah in chapter, chapter Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, uh, he, he fell at, at, at God's feet. He said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. There's a certain humility that comes when you recognize the presence and power of God and you understand the goodness of God that expressed, is expressed to you. He understands that it's not just somebody that was there helping him. It was God who was there helping him. Jesus was worshipped. No one else should be worshipped but God alone. Go back to the Ten Commandments. And Jesus knew that this man knew who he was when he fell to worship at his feet. He worships Jesus as the Messiah, the one and only one that could deal with us where we need to have help, the only one who could deal with our sin problem. Yes, we have physical problems. Yes, we have financial problems. And all of those things God helps with. But here's somebody that helped him on a deeper level. And this man came back to praise God and to worship Jesus. And then he was giving thanks to him. And this is in the present active formulation in their language, Greek grammar structure. It was a participle that's in the present active. By that, it's just simply saying he kept on doing this. He didn't stop. May this be an admonition that we take from this, that we get into the habit of we just can't stop thanking Jesus and to keep on saying, thank you, Jesus. But then Jesus asked this question, where were the nine? Where'd they go? Is there a reason that they didn't come back? Oh, yes, they were healed. They got to go back to the temple, and they were able to uh, get, get the inspection passed, and they were able to drive their car again. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were able to go. They were able to be with people. That's all good. But one came back. Where were the nine? And I think there's a reason, because they missed the point in that they missed the Savior. So which group do you fit in? 
are you with the grateful who understand the power of God and you praise him and you understand that Jesus is God, he's your Messiah, and you worship him as God who saves? And are you expressing thanks to him? Or are you those that, hey, you're glad for God doing something good for you, and now we're going to go on our own way and get on with our own life and get back to the things we, that are really important to us? Yet one returns. Where were the nine? The nine missed the point of the miracle. So I think there's some obvious applications here for us to express our thankfulness. You just got to do it. And when you recognize who God is and what he's done for you in sending Jesus as your Savior, you want to say it. So there are many ways that we can do this. Uh, do this by singing. All right? And you were doing that earlier, and I was, that, that helped me get ready to get up here and do this because you were singing from the depths of your soul. You were singing praise and thanks to God. I hope that you'll do that on a regular basis. Um, recently heard of a, the, the testimony of a young mom in our church, a young mother, who before she was married was, had, had lived all the the craziness of high school and went to college looking for all the good times and realized there's just something missing. It's not quite right. What, what isn't right? And somebody had invited her to a, a Bible study with some other students on campus. And she went and she saw this whole room full of people singing praises to God and thanksgiving to Jesus for what he had done for them. And they were lifting their arms and they were worshiping God and she was saying, that's what I want. And that was the introduction of her understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. God uses your singing. Now, maybe you don't want to do it in a big public way and get up on the platform and so forth. That's okay. But God uses your singing in your own life, in your own home. Even when you're in the shower, sing. How many of you do that? No, don't raise your hands. Okay. But you want to sing. I hope maybe that you'll, you'll find a playlist of songs. Maybe if you don't have a playlist, you can just say, Pastor Jordan, can you send me a playlist for Thanksgiving? Or do you ha- I hope you have one of those ready. Okay, all right. Um, and just have this music going all week long and get in the habit of letting it happen over and over again that you're thanking Jesus from your heart just like this man was. God, I see your power. Look what you were able to do. I see that, Jesus, you are God in the flesh. You're this answer from the Old Testament that was promised, this Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And, Jesus, I want to thank you that you did that. You died, you were buried, and you rose again. And thanks be to God, which gives us this wonderful gift, this surpassing gift, this unspeakable gift. Thanks to God. Sing it. I think it's good also to pray it. Pray your thanksgiving. Pray thanksgiving. I think this is a good thing to do on a regular basis as well. I can keep on thanking God. So the other day we were having our uh, Wednesday night Bible study with the, with the, with the fishbowl bunch uh, over here in this room. And uh, we, were, we were talking about this matter of thanksgiving. 
and we, we talked about praying before our meals. And I said, where did that idea come from? Why do we do that? Is that something we should do or not do or whatever? And we thought, well, Jesus, uh, um, before he, when he had blessed the bread, he, then he, he blessed the bread and the, and the cup. And so Jesus had prayed, you know, before the meal. You know, that's, that's good. But then I think Sam went a little bit deeper into it and went, went back into Deuteronomy, is it Deuteronomy chapter 8 or well, somewhere back in there. We, had, we didn't write it down. But there was, we, we found that the children of Israel were encouraged to pray. I think in their case, it was after the meal. But it was to give thanks. By the way, if you were ever at the Zajacs for a dinner when they were here, they would memorize scripture before the meal, eat the meal, and then they would pray. I think he went back to the Old Testament. And it was a precious prayer time with them. Um, but the point is, I think it's a biblical thing to do with a lot of biblical illustration as to at your mealtime, give thanks. Not just then, but I think that's a good, good exercise. It's a way to give thanks. And then another thing I would like you to encourage you to do, and I don't have it up here. Does somebody have a bulletin handy that you could hand me an extra one? Okay, thank you. So on the, you take great, great, look at these notes. Look at that. I need to, uh, yeah, so you stay awake. Yeah, all right, I get it. Okay. That boring, okay, all right. But, but in, your, in your handout here, your bulletin, you have two charts. If you, if you pull that out just now and take a look at that, there's a chart to give thanks to God for what he has done. And then there's a, a chart to consider what other people have done. So let me encourage you to, to, on purpose, take some time over these next few hours to this week before Thanksgiving and into Thanksgiving not, Thanksgiving isn't about a football game in the afternoon or a big meal. Those are nice, but Thanksgiving is about expressing thanks. So, so often we, have to, we stop and think, so what was it I was going to give thanks? And I can't think of anything. So if you have it ahead of time, you can do something with it. So write it out ahead of time. So this chart is here for you to use on purpose to be able to use in a good way of thanking God for what he has done and thanking others. So this is the chart we used on Wednesday night, and, and I took some time to, to fill it out, and boy, was it a help to me, and continues to be. Same thing you have in your hand out there, your bulletin. What has God done for me? He gave me the gospel when I was young. I didn't have to go all through life trying to figure it out. He gave it to me when I was, and I don't know that if I was later in life that I would have responded, because I'm filled with myself and my own pride. Another thing God did for me is he protected me from me. <laughs> I need to make wise choices. God gave me godly parents. He gave me the Holy Spirit. He gave me Lori. Yeah, my wife. So what am I supposed to do? Love her like Jesus loves me. So, And then this list about others. How, to whom has God personally used in your life that you need to say thank you to, to express it. Again, if we don't express it, are we really thankful? So take some time to think of some people that you want to express your thanks. Uh, the first one was a teacher I had. 
Uh, do you have, can you think of a teacher that comes to your mind that they really made an influence on? Now, if you've been homeschooled, you only have one that you can thank, all right? So you're kind of stuck with that one, all right? But I had, I had a high school teacher who taught me American history. Her name was Miss L, Rachel Larson. She had an 80th birthday this last week, and that just brought it all back to my mind. Um, and so I called her on Tuesday after her birthday because I wasn't sure if it was a surprise birthday party or what, but uh, uh, she had a birthday party. Eighty people showed up to her birthday party, and many of them were young men and young women from high school that she had shown what discipleship looks like. And that, to me, was the first picture of what it meant to do the Great Commission, of just encouraging, being a help, being there, laughing a lot, uh, encouraging each other, and then going out and doing ministry together. And I, I could go into that whole story sometime, but I just called her and I said, Miss L, I just want to thank you for your influence. Oh, well, really? Wow. And we talked for probably 45 minutes, catching up on different names of people in life. And I said, Rachel, this made my day. And she said, no, you made my day. What a difference it makes when we actually express a little bit of thanks. So fill out these charts. Make that phone call. Express your thanks. And I want us to see the gospel application here. Some preachers, as they come to this passage, will say, well, this really isn't about thanksgiving. It's deeper than that. Yes, it is deeper than that. And that's where I want to go right now. But it really is about thanksgiving when you go deeper. In our sinful condition, we are like these lepers. We're in trouble. There's no hope. And, and we, need, we need to respond to Jesus, not only for his present-day help, oh, God, help me with whatever it is that you fill in the blank, but more importantly, for his gift of cleansing from sin and the gift of everlasting life that he provides, because he loves you. Be thankful for that. Express that. Would you look down at verse 19 back in Luke chapter 17? Jesus said to this man that returned, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Isn't that interesting? That word, your faith has made you well, is the word that's translated most other times, you've been saved. And it's that term that we look to when we say, uh, I've been saved. That's this word, zozo, and it means to be rescued from something that you had no hope of being able to be rescued from. You've been saved. This man was saved. I don't know about the others. But on Jesus' authority, this man was saved. And what was it that saved him? Jesus didn't say, your gratitude saved you. No, your faith. Recognizing who God is, his power. Recognizing who Jesus is, the one who brings us this salvation. And he worshiped at his feet this Messiah trusting in him. What does that faith look like? What is faith? It's humble, obedient dependence on God. It's not your religious works. It's not coming to church. It's not, look look at what I've done. It's that humility that we read about in Psalm 138. When God regards the lowly, 
when we recognize I cannot save myself, I need Jesus, and you come to him begging him for that mercy, not just for help for today, but help forever for cleansing from your sin that you cannot cleanse yourself from and asking him for that washing and that regeneration that's given by the Holy Spirit. Humble, obedient dependence. That's faith. And when we do that, the rest of our lives is an ongoing thank you note. It's simply extending, expressing our thanks to God in everything that happens along the way. Others can see we're thankful because of Jesus, not because of the circumstances. So use your life to express thanks to Jesus because of the gospel. Let me say that again. Use your life, the days you have left, Use every day to express thanks to Jesus because of the good news. came across this recently. I think it was in the news back in July about an Australian man. It was a fisherman whose boat broke down out in the Pacific. I think his name was Tim Shattuck. And he was swept out in the current, and he was lost at sea. I think like a thousand miles from land. And the chances of him being found really were hopeless. It didn't exist. He was out in the middle of the ocean, nowhere to be found. And it would take a miracle to be rescued. Day after day, he'd gather some fresh water that, from rain, he'd catch a fish fish every day for months. Three months later, he was spotted, I think, by, first by a helicopter, then notified a tuna, tuna fishing boat that was from Mexico. This man who is from Australia, in his boat, out in the middle of the ocean, alongside comes this fishing boat, this tuna boat from Mexico, And as they pulled up to him, this bone-thin, weather-beaten, broken man who had had survived off of rainwater and fish, you can watch the video, just humbly, as he watches this boat come up to him, he's just humbly patting his chest, and he begins weeping, and he says, thank you, thank you, thank you. When you consider what Jesus has done for you, knowing the desperate hopelessness of your sin condition and your lostness away from Jesus, when you consider this, you humbly proclaim, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Will you do that? If you're a Christian, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, will you say thank you, Jesus? You're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. Let me beg you. Recognize your lostness, for the wages of sin is death. But recognize God's love for you. The gift of God is eternal life, and it's through Jesus Christ your Lord. And right now, you can call on Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner.
I'm lost. I'm in trouble and I'm desperate. Jesus, please save me. And then the rest of your life is a thank you. Oh God, use the power of your word. Reach our hearts that we would express thanks. In Jesus' name.